Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I am your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 57 of the podcast. And uh, I feel a little down home today. Um, my, uh, my brother is here in my house today, and uh, my wife's home, and my son's at school right now, but he's going to be home shortly. So uh, today is uh, Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving 2016. And I am uh, happy to bring you an episode today about gratitude, something I have felt a lot of this year. And uh, today is going to be sort of a, I don't know, a little more informal than normal. I feel like I did not really prepare as much as I normally do for this podcast just because I felt like this one was going to be more from the heart and not as much um, from the mind, although I do have some sort of research-based type article to focus uh, our discussion on today. So before we get into that, let us get into our topic of the day. This comes to us from Reddit, and I don't have a specific post this week, but it's again a kind of a compilation of posts that I see often. And it is uh, Redditors uh, complaining about their professors that happen to be really shitty. (laughs) So I thought I'd talk a little bit today about dealing with shitty professors. Um, So this topic, as I said, comes up often on Reddit. And uh, that's not such a bad thing, as I'll get into. There's a lot of reasons why professors can be shitty. I'm sorry to say I'm going to be shit-talking my brethren (laughs) today. Some of the things I've heard students complain about when uh, instructors are giving them a hard time, the biggest one that I find that's sort of inexcusable is not communicating uh, consistently with students. A lot of times students will report they send multiple emails to a professor that go unanswered, or the professor is, if it's an online class, largely absent from the course. large periods of time not providing feedback on assignments so the student really doesn't know how they stand in the class if they're doing well or poorly so those things I think are really um, tough to navigate because they're left they leave the student you guys feeling like you don't have much recourse and the fact of the matter is you do have some And then there's other issues that are, I guess, things that I won't focus on as much. You know, the things like interpersonal issues, like, you know, oh, the teacher said something mean to me in class, or um, isn't giving me an extension, even though they gave this other person extensions. You know, those kinds of things are more, I would say, interpersonal, right? It's harder to argue those, you know, it just might be you don't like the person or they don't really like you and that really shouldn't impact, you know, how that you're treated. But, um, you know, sad to say in the real world, it probably does have some kind of impact. The thing is, it's, it's harder to prove or really kind of definitively say an interpersonal issue um, caused you to, you know, get a poorer grade. So not to say that it doesn't actually happen, but it's just going to be much harder to to prove if it were to go that far in terms of disputing a grade officially with your school. So let's talk about some things to do, right? 
The first one, and this is sort of basic, and I, I sort of warn my interviewer, interviewees that I, I have on the show not to give this advice because it's so, like, obvious, but I'm going to give it here, reach out early <laughs> mantra that we have on the show. You know, if you're struggling to reach out early, it's sort of obvious, but it bears repeating because we haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, because I tell the, the people that I interview, you know, try not to give that advice. Um, but it is good advice. It's just when you haven't heard it in a while or if it's sort of given in a, in a different perspective like it is now. We're not talking about if you're having a mental health problem, you know, to reach out early. In this case, if you're having some sort of question about how you're doing in the class, the longer you wait to have it addressed, the more it's going to become an issue, right? So if it's just something small in the beginning, like, oh, I don't really know how they provide feedback here, or what's the loop, you know, sometimes like, oh, you submit this, then this happens, then I wait for this, or a certain amount of time goes by, and if it's explained to you right in the beginning, with a simple email, it's usually like, oh, and it kind of calms the mind for the rest of the semester, so you have this sort of lower level of anxiety than you would otherwise if you hadn't sent that quick email out. I, um, in my course this semester that I'm taking, not the ones I'm teaching, I fired off a bunch of emails to my instructor who's kind of like a colleague, right? Um, I'm taking courses in the class, in the department that I also work and teach in. So it's a little odd in that sense, but, um, there's been a lot of just little things that I've been like, I felt like at times I've been annoying with the amount of questions I've sent her. But at the same time, I don't mind, you know, that they're question, they're worthy questions. And at this, and when they're answered, it's like, okay, it's all I needed, you know, and I have a much clearer sense of what, you know, your expectations are of me now. So reach out early. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Every teacher says that every student still sometimes still, I don't know why. Um, I, it's even me too. Some of these questions I reach out to my instructor, I'm like, God, I wish I didn't have to do this. Like, but I want to check, you know, I want to know for myself. And if it's not clear to you, oftentimes it's probably not clear to, to many other people in the class. So you're sort of doing them a favor if, uh, if it's something that is brought to the attention of the teacher to, to the point that if they get it enough, they might be like, oh, I might have to clarify this officially for the whole class or give them some more time, or, you know, otherwise accommodate them because of my miscommunication or, you know, ambiguity. So reach out early. Um, be assertive. Uh, the term assertiveness maybe deserves its own episode. Uh, maybe that is a good idea. Um, so assertiveness is that sort of that fine line between being uh a pushover, right? You don't want to just kind of not let people, you know, walk all over you. And an example of this would be a teacher that just kind of like does what they do and, and you might feel unsupported and they may, and if you do not bring these concerns to their attention, you will not, you know, have your voice heard and be accommodated, right? It's a finally between that, which is not being, not being assertive enough, and then you know, going too far on the scale of assertiveness is becoming aggressive, right? Picking a fight with the professor or, you know, phrasing, using tone, body language that, that shows that you um, in some way disrespect them. 
that usually doesn't go over well with anybody, really. But it causes teachers, I think, in particular, to kind of get defensive. So not the best approach. Assertiveness is uh, tough for many people that are of a non-confrontational nature. So I think it's important to practice ahead of time. And like I said, I think this has inspired me to maybe do this as a podcast topic. Um, maybe not this semester, but definitely if not, the next semester. Because uh, it's something I, I struggled with, I know, for a long time. And one thing that made me better at it was my job. Was taking a supervisory role and having to have difficult conversations with people. The people I worked with that had mental health issues, a lot of times I had to bring up things that were sort of of a delicate nature. You know, to give you an example, like somebody shows up to the mental health center and they have bad body odor. It's like, ugh, you reek, dude. <laughs> and they might be older, you know, significantly older than me in some cases. And I have to have a conversation about how you can't show up to, you know, a public place with dirty clothes or, or um, without having showered because, and then explain the consequences. Not that we're going to, you know, kick them out. That's not the kind of consequence, but we talk about natural consequences. What are the natural consequences of, of smelling everywhere you go? You know, people are going to be offended by the odor. They might not want to stand near you. Um, they may make disparaging remarks at you. Um, if you were to show up, you know, with a body odor to a job interview, chances are uh, and the interviewer is not going to look favorably upon that. So I would explain to it in that in those kind of ways. Let's say you wanted a, a significant other, you wanted a romantic relationship. A lot of times people don't want to be with somebody that stinks. <laughs> you know, all these are natural consequences. Um, and I would have to be assertive in those cases because a lot of times a person would either deny it and it's like okay you know and you would you would roll with that um or they might get defensive or they might get you know aggressive and be like you know f you i don't know what you're talking about so practicing beforehand you know i had a lot of those conversations before i felt like i was you know able to do it delicately respectfully and diplomatically and at the same time really get my point across I don't expect people to be really good at that, you know, if you haven't had a lot of experience. So practice ahead of time. Think about what you're going to say to your instructor. Get your um, significant other or your family member to uh, role play with you and be like, hey, play my professor and be like, you know, act like this. And, you know, let them challenge you a little so that when you actually do get in the situation, you've rehearsed what you're going to say a little bit. And have your points and make them, you know, facts, right? It's like, you can't make points like, well, I think you're really a mean person. It's like, no, it has to be like things that you could back up that you would need to do for the next thing I'm going to suggest. Um, you know, I sent you X number of emails on this date, this date, and this date. You know, when I got this feedback and have the feedback with you, you know, print it up. I didn't understand it. It wasn't clear to me. You know, I need some help. Um, and then, so you always want to attempt to resolve it with the instructor first. Um, you're not going to say you're a shitty instructor. You're going to say, you're going to operationally define what shitty means, right? Um, so I'm feeling like I'm not getting the feedback needed to know that I'm doing really well in the course or, or I don't know what my standing is in the course because... Um, so much time goes by between when uh, assignments get submitted and when they get returned. 
If you are unsuccessful going that route with the instructor, then I would suggest uh, going over their head, yeah, um, talking to that program director. Uh, so every department has a head, you know, a chair of the department. Uh, usually they're a dean in a lot of cases. And so it's fairly easy usually to find out who it is and uh, send them an email and say, hey, I'm in such and such as class. I've been having some issues. I attempted to meet with them and it was unsuccessful. I was wondering if I could speak to you about them. And that will certainly get the department's attention. Um, and the dean or uh, the chair usually will reach out to the instructor then and say, hey, I had a student that reached out to me about this. And uh, most likely you will have, uh, at least you will be listened to uh, at that point. Um, you may, may or not, may or may not be accommodated depending on your, you know, your case. Um, so I think people are sometimes hesitant to do that because they're afraid that there's going to be some kind of like consequence to them. And, you know, I, I think what the consequence to me, like if a te if a student did that to me and I, I can't empathize because I have not been in that ex uh, situation. I hope I never am. Um, I would probably be very much playing it by the book with that student from then on, right? So let's say it happened in week five, right? I did something the student didn't like. I, they attempted to resolve it. I thought it was resolved maybe. And then they ended up going to my, my dean and the dean reaches out. Um, no matter how it was resolved, even if it was like, okay, you know, this student was just, um, you know, going a bit overboard in this case, even if it wasn't anything that I really could have done better, um, I would be, um, crossing my T's and dotting my I's with that student. I would be really playing it by the book and making sure that there was no reason for them to be following up with the Dean because, uh, it's not worth it. Right. And you know, we should be going by the book with everybody, right? But everybody knows that, you know, when things become routine, sometimes, you know, everybody has lapses and, um, you know, we need to examine them. But uh, I would be hypersensitive to the needs of that student. And so that's probably what you want, right? Um, I would not be even thinking about retaliation, towards a student and I think that that's what students are worried about is like oh if I if I call them out or throw them under the bus to their supervisor that they're going to retaliate in some way and you know it could cost me my grade and uh, I guess it could you know there could be some real assholes out there that do that but um if you are coming at the the higher up from a position of logic and you have evidence um retaliation is going to be really hard to do, you know, because they're not going to have any, any course. And, you know, the, the dean or the chair is going to be looking at that situation and paying more attention than if, if it hadn't been brought up. So I would not be afraid to just, uh, you know, find out who it is. And again, I would not do this without trying to resolve it with the instructor first. So, oh, last one, ask on Reddit. Um, I, I kind of say this tongue in cheek, but at the same time, it's not a bad idea. So I get a lot, of, I see a lot of these because I read the sub fairly frequently and it's like, you know, this teacher did this to me 
And the people that come on and respond usually are of a pretty level-headed nature where they're like, yeah, that was pretty shitty. That shouldn't have happened. Or in some cases, they're like, nah, grow up. This is college, you know? So sometimes uh, Reddit can be your sort of reality check to be like, am I am I on the, in the right here? Like, am I missing something here? And sometimes you are missing something, especially I would say younger students that are, are earlier in their um, academic process and haven't kind of learned the ropes, so to speak. Um, so, you know, running it by, getting it vetted by um, a group of people, crowdsourcing it to say, hey, what do you guys think can be a good way to kind of gauge, like, should I follow up with the person about this or am I blowing this out of proportion? So don't be afraid. That's what it's for. It's a pretty supportive uh, group. So, all right, with that, we are going to talk gratitude now. And um, I was looking to see if I had ever talked about gratitude. And I had uh, way back in the 20s. I had, I didn't devote an entire episode to it, but I had found uh, some discussion about it. I'm going to kind of talk about it from a different angle today. I have two articles that sort of relate to thinking about gratitude from a standpoint of like, what's the research on it? You know, what can it be used for? What are some of the outcomes if if, um, gratitude is studied? Obviously, I'm talking about gratitude this week because of the fact that Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Uh, And I really hope you guys enjoy your extended break. You deserve it. Here we are in week 12. And it's like, I can't even believe that there's only three more weeks left of the semester. And it's time for a break, right? Um, I'll be working a lot of my break on on schoolwork. But just to have a couple extra days. um, The fact that normally I teach on Wednesday nights. And then we do not have a class tonight because of the holiday. Makes me and I know my students very happy. It's... um, Oh, it's just good to get a break. You don't have, at least in our school, a spring break, uh, you know, in the mid-semester like we do um, coming up. In the fall, you know, there is no real break for us at Rutgers. So anyway, um, the first article I want to read comes from a Harvard mental health letter. And I will include the link in the show notes in today's episode. This is from about five years ago, but I think it holds true. So I'll, I'll read a little and kind of talk a little. You know how we do it here. So expressing thanks may be one of the simplest ways to feel better. And if you wonder, like, you may have heard, you know, the origins of Thanksgiving. And, you know, I guess there's some debate about the true story. But um, I think it's not you know, beyond the logistics of like, you know, oh, we needed to eat and, you know, we had this feast and we, um, you know, established camaraderie with this, uh, you know, these other groups of individuals. The idea of, of giving thanks and expressing gratitude and giving to others really does hold a benefit for the giver. And you think about donations, you know, the giving process, right? You have somebody that donates money, right? And then you have an agency that is a charitable organization that receives the money. The organization, the people that work in there derive a huge amount of um, good feelings. And there's a lot of benefits to working in a 
a charitable organization as opposed to, say, a corporate organization. Um, but then the people on the other side, the people giving, are getting something out of it as well. If you've ever given your time in terms of uh, volunteering, and the people that usually are the benefactors of that are often very much, uh, they show a lot of gratitude, as they should, right? You're giving your time, and time is money. And I mean, time to me is like the most precious thing I have to give. Um, so if I make the decision to say, hey, I'm going to spend a few hours doing this, and I'm not going to get compensated, you know, financially or any way, um, I'm just doing it because I... I want to give back and and I do get something out of it and then I get the enjoyment of, of feeling good about that um so let's get into it thanksgiving holiday season has began and as the name implies when colonists gave thanks for their survival for a good harvest so perhaps november is a good time to review the mental health benefits of gratitude and to consider some advice about how to cultivate this state of mind all right they talk about what uh, where the term gratitude came from. Uh, gratitude helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or to a higher power. Yeah, I agree with that. Listen to this. In positive psychology research, hmm, haven't we heard that before? Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Positive psychology is uh, something we talked about with Dr. Dan Tomasulo um, a few semesters ago. I will link to the episode in today's show notes if you want to learn more about positive psychology. Um, but yeah, that sort of relates back, and that's sort of like, okay pattern here. I'm seeing something from something else we talked about. I think we're on the right track. Let's read some more. People feel and express gratitude in multiple ways. They can apply it to the past, retrieving a positive memory and being thankful for elements of childhood or past blessings, or the present, not taking good fortune for granted as it comes. And then you have the future, maintaining a hopeful and optimistic attitude, for example. Regardless of the inherent or current levels of someone's gratitude, it's a quality that individuals can successfully cultivate further. And now we talk about the research on gratitude. This is what I like, right? Two psychologists, Dr. Robert Emmons of University of California, UC Davis, and Dr. Michael McCullough of University of Miami have done a lot of research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week, focusing on particular topics. One group wrote about things that they were grateful for that, they, that had occurred during the week. The second group wrote about daily irritations or things that displeased them. And the third wrote about events that had affected them with no emphasis on being positive or negative. All right, so think about this. I'm going out of the article for a second. You have three groups and you're comparing them. One, they direct them to write um, positive things, uh, things that they were grateful for each week the second group things that irritated them or displeased them each week and then the third group just about events that happened to them with no positive or negative emphasis what do you think happened after 10 weeks well i'll let you know those who wrote about gratitude after 10 weeks were more optimistic and felt better about their lives 
Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to physicians than those who focuses, focused on sources of aggravation. Think about those people in your lives that only focus on the negative. Think about what an energy suck they are to be in their presence. Get those people out of your lives. You know, look at this, this research and, uh, you know, think about it. And it's like the more you expose yourself to people that just walk around with predominantly negative opinions and pessimism, the more that's going to rub off on you. To the flip side, think about surrounding yourself with people that are optimistic and have hopeful attitudes. It will in turn foster a sense of hopefulness and optimism in yourself. All right. So the next researcher, another leading researcher in this field, Dr. Martin E. P. Seligman. Wait a second. <laughs> we just talked about Dr. Seligman at length just a few episodes ago when we talked about resiliency and anti-fragility. Hmm. This also leads me to think that we are headed in the right direction. Let's keep reading. Uh, Dr. Seligman, a psychologist at UPenn, tested the impact of various positive psychology interventions on 411 people, each compared with a control assignment of writing about early memories. When their week's assignment was to write about and personally deliver a letter of gratitude to someone who had never been properly thanked for his or her kindness, participants immediately exhibited a huge increase in happiness scores. This impact was greater than from any other intervention, with benefits lasting for a month. Shit. Of course, studies such as this cannot prove cause and effect. It's good to remember. Uh, most of these studies published on this topic support an association between gratitude and an individual's well-being. Right? So as gratitude increases, as you express more, your overall well-being should also increase. That's a positive correlation. Other studies have looked at how gratitude can improve relationships. For example, a study of couples found that individuals who took time to express gratitude for their partner not only felt more positive towards the other person, but also felt more comfortable expressing concerns about their relationship. I wonder why more people don't do this, you know, to take the time to say, I really like this about you, you know, um, and in some ways, I find it almost as equally hard as, as telling somebody, you know, I really don't like this about you. Um, it's not overall, and it shouldn't be, right? Um, but I think maybe it's just because we, you know, take start to take people for granted. And, and expressing this kind of, you know, this I really like this about you is kind of taking the time to step back and be like, you know what? It's possible that this person won't always be here. And I should let them know how much they mean to me now, because I may not get that chance in the future. All right. Managers who remember to say thank you to people who work for them may find that these employees feel motivated to work harder. Researchers at the Wharton School of University of Pennsylvania randomly divided university fundraisers into two groups. One group made phone calls to solicit alumni donations in the same way they always had. The second group, assigned to work on a different day, received a pep talk from the director of annual giving who told the fundraiser she was grateful for their efforts. During the following week, the university employees who heard her message of gratitude made 50% more fundraising calls than those who did not. Hmm. 
Um, so interesting. Let's talk about some ways to cultivate gratitude. Write a thank you note. You know, letter writing is such a lost art these days. You can make yourself happier and nurture your relationships with another person by writing a thank you letter expressing your enjoyment and appreciation of that person's impact on your life. Send it or better yet, deliver it and read it to the person if possible. Make a habit of sending at least one gratitude letter a month. Once in a while, write one to yourself. Hmm. Thank someone mentally. <laughs> no time to write. It may be just, uh, it may help to just think about the person and what they've done for you and mentally thank the individual. Yeah, I don't like that one as much personally. Keep a gratitude journal. I do like this one. Make it a habit to write down or share with a loved one thoughts about gifts you received each day. When I do on a monthly basis, I journal about the previous month. Um, it's part of the, uh, the journal, the agenda that I use called Passion Planner, which I've talked about. And one of the sections each month that they ask you about is, what are you grateful for this past month? And it's one of my favorite parts to fill out. And I have been tempted to share it with other people. So I like that one. Count your blessings. Pick a time every week to sit down and write about your blessings, reflecting on what went right and what, or what you are grateful for. Sometimes it helps to pick a number, such as three to five things that you will identify each week. As you write, be specific and think about sensations you felt when something good happened to you. Another way to cultivate gratitude, to pray. People who are religious can use prayer to cultivate gratitude. And meditation. Mindfulness meditation involves focusing on the present moment without judgment. Although people often focus on a word or phrase, it is also possible to focus on what you're grateful for. The warmth of the sun or a pleasant sound, etc. So, I like that article. I think it's got some good stuff in it. Um, the second article, I just wanted to read this quick thing. Um, research, recently, scientists have begun to chart a course of research aimed at understanding gratitude and the circumstances in which it flourishes or diminishes. They're finding that people who practice gratitude consistently report a host of benefits, stronger immune systems, and lower blood pressure. That is really cool. Higher levels of positive emotions, more joy, optimism, and happiness, acting with more generosity and compassion, and lastly, feeling less lonely and isolated. So that's some more. I'm not going to get into the, the specifics of that, but I'm going to include this link that you can learn some more about the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. And they are basically doing, oh, they're in collaboration with UC Davis. So I imagine the uh, research I talked about before is related to this project as well. Um, called, it's a multi-year project called Expanding the Science and Practice of Gratitude. Uh, so they're doing a lot of research in this area. So really cool stuff. Uh, so on that note, uh, this week, home exercise, figure out what you're grateful for. Step two, write it down. Step three, optional, but highly recommended, tell somebody. It doesn't have to be that person, you know, oh, I'm grateful for you, you know, if that feels uncomfortable for whatever reason. No, I hope it doesn't. But even if you talk to somebody you're close to about your, um, your gratitude for somebody else or for something else, you know, to express it just to another human being kind of takes it to another level. And that interaction and exchange of emotions, there's something to that, that energy there. So that's your home exercise for this week. Um, 
really uh, am grateful to you guys. Um, I I get a lot out of doing this podcast, even though you know I think my goal is to 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 deliver it and make it you know helpful for other people. And I think that it's just like that, right? I'm not doing this for any like personal agenda or for money. I'm doing this because I I don't know. I just enjoy it and have a passion for it. And I think that 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 because those are the 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 reasons and the sources for wanting to do this, that I actually get the benefits as well. I derive the benefits of of feeling like. You know, I did something that somebody might get something good out of. Um, so, grateful to you guys. I hope you guys have some real uh, wonderful time spent with loved ones, whether that be family or friends, or just taking some time for yourself to reflect on the good things that happened in this last year. So, with that, this is Derek, College Success Podcast, coming at you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Peace.